I'm ready when you are. You can feel the country's on a knife edge. It's only, what, 30 minutes late starting? Let's do this! <laughs> it's a joke, obviously. You are in retreat. We're not rioting yet. I don't like that question. You're just saying shit and you don't even know what you're talking about. That spider game sounds way cooler than manta rays, doesn't it? And I was like, well, here's my two cents. You, you, you need a lot of stuff. That's how we should describe the podcast. If they ever went out and recruited one more person, then we'd have double the number of people listening. Well then. Let's start the show. Hello and welcome everyone. Welcome to the show. I am one half of the hosting team, Brad, aka Flash, aka the doctors in the house. I don't know. We'll have to work on yeah. that. There is only one of us that's the doctor, so yeah, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you have that title. That's right. Well, and then you just heard my my the other half of the hosting team, Brad, aka British Brad, aka owner and keeper of Tabby Bruce podcast mascot, aka the big strawberry. Well, is that one yeah, we can uh, add to the list? Yeah. Well, yeah, we might as well. So yeah, howdy, listeners. Uh, yeah, as Flash is alluding to, I had a. Uh, a dalliance with some science at the weekend. I uh, let my immune system run right and uh, had an anaphylactic reaction to something or other. Um, <laughs> I think it was the so, prawns. Uh, well, it could have been one or two of the prawns. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so I think before we start, I should probably just say, and I've already done this on Twitter, but I would definitely say thank you to the uh, team of paramedics and the nurses and the doctors at the hospital that uh, dealt with my uh, puffy, histamine-ravaged, hive-ridden, blood pressure lowering body um, <laughs> and, and thank them for all their assistance because today would have been a slightly different show otherwise yeah we could have been doing the the look back <laughs> i can only imagine what that montage would look like <laughs> oh my god an audio montage of and am i, am I mistaken is this episode 25 is this quarter of a century i'm not I'm not sure actually. Jesus, we really should have. We really should have checked that before we started rolling. Let me take a quick look here, because then it well, could be it could be a number of milestones we have. Well, it could be. Who would have thought we? If it, if well, to be honest, the fact that we're even in the twenties, I think, is an achievement. Yeah, this is episode twenty-five, my friend. So, oh wow, well, well, round of applause for us. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. Well, and well done to those listeners that have stuck with us all this time. I think we probably. Brought some in later on in the game. I think we probably lost a few during the journey. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've if you've listened to all all twenty five, then you know hats off. Sorry. Yeah, we, there <laughs> should be some sort of we should give some sort of award if you if you listen to all twenty five like a badge or something. Or I think we should send them uh, pictures of uh, your big swollen red face because those were quite funny. They might not have well, gone viral yet, but that could be the the secret insider club. You get you get a picture of. <laughs> I, I did. I did like the reaction of some of our friends. That were like, you, you couldn't get the paramedics to take more pictures while you were led on the kitchen floor getting treated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could see the progression of it all. Now, uh, yeah, 
Well, we're glad you're here, man, because we got another, at least another 24 episodes in us, I think, before this thing totally falls off the rails, right? <laughs> yeah, I would, I'd like to say it's like the Japanese bullet train, but I think it's more like a runaway train going into dark territory that may or may not come out the other side. But. <laughs> well, let's give you, let's give ourselves a pat on the back, a toast for 25. Thank you to the listeners. Thank you, my Thank friend. You. And you, sir. And let's move into uh, some straight Olympic smack talk. Oh, I knew, I knew this was coming. <laughs> you, you, you brought it up in episodes past, I believe, in our year opening special. You brought up that you were excited about the Olympics, and I will say, you do. You know, you've you've been to Canada now a couple times. You're practically Canadian. You're just missing the piece of paper, so you can be on our adopted. Because I noticed okay. conspicuously that. In the top sixteen, I'm not seeing I'm not seeing Great Britain. I'm not seeing you guys. I don't know if you, you just didn't have the money to put to forth the team this year, or or just not performing as you thought it would. I think I think you'd have to look a lot further down that uh, <laughs> medal table than sixteen before you uh, you found the. But no, I, I you know I, I feel as if Canada is my adopted home nation. You know, would, after you know getting to know you and having been to the Olympic Park in yeah. in Calgary yeah. first time I came, so. Yeah, I, I feel as if I'm, you know, I get a share in the spoils that uh, Canada will invariably take. I, I I can't say that I'm fully on board with understanding all the rules of hockey other than smack the shit at the opponent. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's um, a good start. Try and put the puck into the opposition net. But I, I think that's all you need to know, isn't it? That's basically it, yeah. yeah. And if you I were could telling balance me... on skates, I'd be an Olympic athlete. But <laughs> You were telling me that... Uh... You got into some curling. You were watching some curling the other day too. And I mean, that's big. You got hockey, curling, figure skating. This is our jam. Well, this is what Canadians well, are excited well. about. And historically, the Brits haven't been too bad at curling. Well, yeah. I say the Brits, primarily Scottish. led by the Scottish. Yeah. yeah, but obviously, when they're winning, they're British. Um, so yeah, but no, I was watching uh, the the Swiss versus the OAR mm-hmm. uh, today, uh, and the OAR were a married couple. So. It's funny because on the last, the penultimate throw, uh, Mrs. OAR threw. Yeah, Mrs. Um, Olympic athlete from Russia. Yeah, and uh, it looked a good, it looked a good throw to me. But she wasn't happy. Her husband wasn't happy. The coaching staff didn't look happy. <laughs> Commenta- commentators slagged it off. I thought it looked good. But yeah. Fine. <laughs> um, and then, and then the husband basically had 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 it all to play for. So he could either go for the win, or he could and try and get two points. Or go for, or he could go for the go for the draw and push it into an extra end or whatever they're called. Yeah. Uh, and he screwed it up as well. So uh, if they're not getting divorced, then they're probably murdering each other right now. So. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, though. This is a new, this is a new, um, you know, I think they're trying to keep curling fresh and hip, making it, uh, making it modern by dropping it down to this two, two-person mixed doubles format which i have yet to see and I, as i said off air i'm a traditionalist i don't like this men and women playing together two aside uh, i want them separated four aside well, at least, at least, i want the game to last four married. hours <laughs> at least this couple were married flash you know yeah no i think it's know. cool it's one of those things because curling is like when you have the whole four four to a side the, the the traditional way of playing curling it can take a while it's one of those sports that if you're i mean if you got a cold beer with you multiple cold beers with you it's great it's <laughs> awesome it's something to it's something to have on while you're drinking 
Yeah, I was going to say, I tend to find that most sports are improved for the spectator if there are a couple of beers involved based yeah. on my you know limited application. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, no, this new curling format, I guess it speeds up the game. It's cool that it's mixed, you know, mixed, mixed doubles. You get men and women playing together. I think that's cool. Uh, the American team looks like it's, I don't know, they look like they're just like a couple siblings or something. All right. From Michigan or something. Like the guys wearing a ball cap all the time. Because Canadian, cur- like Canadian curlers, we always like, they try to look good, you know, they try to look professional. Right, because curling's a big deal here, and then these Americans come along, and it looks like the guy just stepped out of the bu- pub, shirts untucked, ball oh. cap on. Like, come there on, should man. be rules against that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, show some respect. That's what I want to well, say. Yeah, yeah. So I watched some curling. I watched a little bit of the um, women's slope style snowboarding. That's a uh, fun one. I don't, yeah, that was great to watch. Although there was obviously some controversy around the high winds. So yeah. Um, and I kind of get, you know, I can't, I don't get why they cancelled the slalom because of high wind when those are basically people stuck to the snow yeah. at ground level as opposed to people that are jumping, you know, 40 feet in the air where wind probably is going to have more of an issue. Yeah. They let that, they let it go on. But, you know, great as a spectator sport, fantastic to watch a few crashes and spills. But. Yeah, totally. This is why it's like, I, I really, I really like watching um, ski jumping, like the distance ski jumping. But not modern day distance ski jumping. If you find on YouTube the like like jumps from like the seventies, the equipment wasn't as good. There's a lot more <laughs> air movement going on. It's like nowadays it's so smooth. It's like they barely even you know they barely even touch down. They glide, don't they? It's yeah. like they've got those flying squirrel suits on. But and I think we've touched on. I know we. I swear we've touched on it before. Of course, when you bring up ski jumping of that that era, or maybe in the pushing into the eighties. Then of course you're touching on the era of Eddie Deagle Edwards, that's true. The British ski jumper. So we give you that. He could be up there in the pantheon of uh, you know people that just wanted to make the Olympics for some reason. The Jamaican bobsled team, you know, all these guys. I did see a great video earlier. Um, I'll, if I find it, tweet it out of the, um, the I think it's the Norwegian team have been trying to cre- recreate um, within the Olympic Village, so not actually out on the slopes or anything. Uh, key Olympic moments. So um, the bit that I saw was um, them recreating cool runnings <laughs> using a pallet truck <laughs> in what looks to be like underground stadium or something, yeah. and then like doing the run and then shooting down. This. Yeah. If I find the video, I'll tweet it out. It was, I think it was the BBC were like putting a compilation together. It was pretty funny. Oh, those crazy Norwegians! You know, they're wow. much they're much like Canada in that like this is where we get to shine because we're one of few nations that is you know can afford winter sports winter sports <laughs> notoriously expensive uh we have snow a lot of the year so like that, this well, is that our, kind of helps yeah this is our time to shine the summer olympics you will not see us in our pale skin showing up you know in in big numbers but winter olympics this is our time to shine baby and if you look at the standings those damn norwegians are on top probably why they're having a good time recreating all these moments they, in the can, they can afford the time off exactly yeah uh you got germany in second though and germany oh, actually really? has the most gold medals too so i'm my ranking is looking at it right now not in terms of who has the most gold but overall medals okay. you got norway germany netherlands canada so we're in the top four the u.s is right behind us um but germany has the most gold 
There's four. Wow. The Netherlands has three. Canada should be up there. We missed out on a couple. We missed out on some speed skating medals that we were kind of hoping to win. Um, and what else? I think, yeah, that was where a couple of the disappointments hit. Otherwise, we're, we're hitting the ones that we're supposed to. So everything's on track. And to be honest, if we win the hockey tournament, the nation is, is happy. That's all we really wow. need to do. With your team of Ranghamton. So, yeah, I wish... I wish, obviously, I wish Team GB luck, but I also wish Team Canada luck. Yeah. And I apparently, we got in a fight. Nation. We got in a fight with the Russians in the Olympic Village. So, well, if you're going to get into a fight, who else are you going to get into a fight with? So, Canada surprisingly has a pretty big rivalry in winter sports with Russia. I guess not surprisingly, but it dates back to the Cold War and the hockey rivalry. But since then, we've. Uh, Developed quite a good rivalry in the Olympics and the winter sports with Russia and our fearsome uh, drug testing enforcer, head of the IOC, <laughs> Dick Pound, has been a th- it's such a great name. He's isn't it? been a thorn in the side of those cheating Russians for a while. So I think wow. there's some animosity blowing over, and it appeared there was a brouhaha. Canadian wow. coaches you- apologized and tried to settle it down, but oh, really? uh, I could tell, being a uh, fellow Canadian, that the apology was. Really, a guised fuck you to the Russians. <laughs> well, you know, and he at least he was a thorn in the side as opposed to a needle in the vein. But you know, <laughs> that's right, that's right. All right, well, we got another we got another week, I think, of Olympics, so we can touch is on that, it. Yeah, is it, is it just two weeks? Is that it's like... really just two weeks? Yeah. So okay. by by this time next week, it will all be said and done. Uh, and so next. Episode twenty six, we can do we can do a recap and see how okay. we all fared. I don't expect Canada to come out on top, but crazy Probably higher up the table than Team GB. I think that's if what we don't get like a top ten, that would be crazy. Really, Are you not going to be shooting? I I always thought you'd be shooting for like top five. Yeah, we should. But I know when we had the when we had them in Vancouver in twenty ten, it was our highest showing. And right. I can't remember. I think we might have won overall, but we didn't have the most gold medals or vice versa. I can't remember. Anyway, right. yeah. But surprisingly, we don't really ever do that well. We win hockey and figure skating. There's a couple of things that we always win. But then, you know, like the sliding, the luge, the cross-country skiing. You'd think that we would do better at that, but we don't. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see. Well, I'm just, you know, typical Canadian downplaying every yeah downplaying as oh yeah you know we might win we might if we don't at least the boys tried the gals tried so good on them well you say you're talking there but you're not there in your mountie outfit right now with your hockey stick in one arm (laughs) and a labat's cold one in the other or whatever beer it is you guys drink (laughs) molson molson is is labat labat's just canadian wasn't it or is that just a British Canadian marketing spin. No, it was Canadian. Labatt was Canadian. I think it's since. I think both have since been bought by other companies. Right. But I, yeah, Molson and Labatt were were Canadian. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, you are correct, sir. Well, I'm correct, but you're not. You're not drinking either of them. So <laughs> it's tough to get them shipped over here. Well, I'm sure there's probably a black market there somewhere. But. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to then, you know, the meat and potatoes here. Okay. The meat and potatoes of this show, episode 25. This is technically a science show, I guess. 
Mm. Or is it more mm. of like a lifestyle show? I, I don't think they could ever call us a lifestyle. So, yeah. <laughs> but then I'm not sure they would. Well, they probably could call you. Obviously, you're you're the doctor, so they could definitely call you a scientist, but probably not me. So, former. Yeah, I'll say former yeah. scientist. Um, <laughs> the scientist formerly known as former scientist. Yeah, but we also. This is the first audience request that we've gotten to cover this story. It is. So we yeah, got an we, audience. we were both. We were both so keen that we didn't speak to each other. We went off and researched it. Yeah. So <laughs> instead of having the normal two stories apiece, we have one shared one that we both, we should know this really well, Brad, if we fuck it up, you know, <laughs> what does that say about well, us? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, this is going to go one of two ways. Either we've, we've researched it all from the same articles and we're just going to be reciting to the points or it's going to turn into a battle. Well, I read yeah. that. <laughs> I'm going to go more with the former, but okay. It is an audience request. We got the request via via Instagram, yeah, so we were which tagged. Is one we of the newer social medias for us. Yeah. So, yeah, so it works, people. If you it reach does. out to us, we will talk about it. We have we've picked up that torch. Yeah, uh, it was burning, but you know we've kept that fire going. Maybe even put a bit more fuel on it. That's right. Well, maybe 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 once we come to the end of the story, we'll see if we put more fuel on it. <laughs> That's right. We're holding the torch aloft and brightly. Well. Seeming how we both uh, researched this, do you want to do you want to give it a go, and then I'll uh, interrupt you when I disagree. Oh, okay, well, no, no <laughs> This feels like some sort of radio quiz show. Now, yeah. right? no, no pause, no hesitation, no repeating yourself. Uh, yeah. So the the story that we were sent in was uh, about a cancer vaccine, um, which has been uh, shown to eliminate tumors in mice. So um, this was coming out of Stanford University. Correct, yeah. Uh, in the US. Okay, I'm okay so far. That's good. <laughs> um, and basically, the principal behind this is um, a team of scientists there or researchers there have taken two immune-stimulating uh, agents and inject those direct into tumours. And what they found is it eliminated all trace of those tumours. Um, but not just the direct tumours, it also then spread and included any metastases from those tumours, so the, the tumours that spread from the primary, primary site. Um, some of the benefits of using this local application would be that um, it's potentially cheaper in system-wide chemotherapy, um, but it also potentially should cause, they think, less side effects because you're injecting it locally as opposed to giving it systemically. Um, and because you're giving it locally, then you're not activating the, the widespread immune system. So one of the reasons it's a bit safer. Um, there are some immunotherapies on the market already, some that you know activate certain immune cells, some that block um, some immune pathways. And I think there's uh, the most recent one that came out last year was the one where they actually take cells from the patient, modify them, and then put them back into the patient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can see so, how these have some issues around them. If you're trying to just jack up the whole immune system to fight off tumors, you, you got a hyperactive immune system. You got all the, you know, threats of inflammation and stuff that normally comes with overactive immune okay. system or autoimmune okay. disease. Okay, are you having a dig at my immune system after this weekend? Is that what you're doing there? All right, I'm a little bit oversensitive both yeah. in my immune response and my humor there. Yeah, you're I, you're definitely oversensitive to something. <laughs> prawns is my guess. Yeah, well, yeah, probably my guess as well. The prawns are fighting back. Um, so yeah, the two agents that they they used one one is actually already approved and on the market for humans, and the other is going through clinical trials at the moment. Um, 
and using based on the results from this study and some other studies, they've actually now started a clinical trial in human lymphoma patients using this tri, uh, sorry, this dual therapy. Uh, that started in January, so a little bit early at the moment. Um, but the way it works is um, usually the T cells, which I know we've talked about before a couple of episodes back, um, part of the immune system, they recognize foreign proteins, abnormal proteins in cancerous cells. So the body will try and mount an immune response against the cancer. But what usually happens is as that cancer grows, it devises a way to escape that immune response. Yeah, it can shut um, down the activity of the T cells that have targeted it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So what this dual agent does is the first agent that you give um, is basically a short DNA sequence. Um, which is called and this, CPG. Oh, go on. Yeah, this is the stuff oh, that they're injecting directly into the tumors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the first one they inject is this DNA sequence, uh, short sequence called CPG oligonucleotide. Lovely um, name. Yeah, it rolls off the tongue nicely. Uh, and basically what that does from my limited understanding is it works with other immune systems that are already, uh, immune cells that are already present, and it amplifies a... Um, surface protein called OX40 OX40 on the surface of T cells that are already there and it activates the receptors and then the second agent you're giving is the antibody and then that binds to this uh, OX40 which effectively then activates that T cell um, and then specifically then targets that T cell against the, the cancer cells that are there but because you've directly injected it those T cells effectively uh, then pre-screened by the body only to be active against that cancer-specific protein. Whereas if you give it on a more widespread, potentially it's going to go off and search out this receptor everywhere else. Yeah, is the issue. I think this is the really important, the 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 really important thing about this therapy because I mean we've we've talked in, in a lot I think in the last couple episodes about these immunotherapies and really directing the immune immune system or using you know immune cells that are already they're already disease fighting things and really applying them to new diseases or new problems and stuff. And it's like a, it's a pretty big thing in the medical world right now, this precision medicine. You might hear stuff about precision medicine and immunotherapy. And like you alluded to and talked about in the, in the description there, this isn't really a new thing. Like they have these immune therapies, but nothing so directed, nothing so targeted. And I think that's yeah. important because it's like when you start manipulating the immune system the immune system is so strong there's so like it can kill you just as well as it can kill um the diseases that are inside of you right like this is autoimmune disease allergic reactions all this stuff right so it's a really kind of complex system with a lot of potency that if you start messing around with it it can be you know you got to be very careful or there can be really bad side effects right so this is really interesting because you have these t-cells like you were describing and they're they recognize the tumor. So they've already been, you know, your immune system will find foreign agents in your body and they bind to them and it like makes like an imprint on these cells. And then these cells divide, these T cells divide, but they all have this imprint. So they're all primed and targeted to go after this specific thing that they've identified. So you have all of this, this basically this army of these cells that are ready to go at this tumor and then they get turned off and this thing just this injection just turns them right back on so they only go after that specific tumor that you've that they've you know that they've been primed for 
And that's yeah. really, really cool. And did you read the, the, how they kind of tested that specificity within the mice? Yeah. Because so they were doing these, these, the, t- the trials for this have all been done in mice, right? But they were actually transport, transplanting tumors into mice. So they take, okay. I don't know, I guess they grow lymphoma tumors somewhere else <laughs> and then they p- transplant them into mice. So in two different locations. And they would treat only a single tumor, but yet both tumors would disappear. And this is how they figured that it's like they had they have this army of T cells. You stimulate it, yeah. and then they can release through the body, but they're only going to attack that specific tumor that they've been, you know, like like you said, pre-screened or primed or whatever term you want to use for. Um, and so then they they did it with. Uh, not just lymphoma, they did it with breast cancer, colon cancer, uh, maybe one other type, a melanoma, I believe. Um, and it all worked. It worked just the same. If, if you have two tumors, you treat one, they both go away. Um, but then they did, they put two lymphomas and a colon cancer in one mouse. So three tumors. Two so Mash is having a pretty bad day, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's the good of science, the good of science. The good for the good of science. Um, yeah. But yeah, so they put these two. So you got two two tumors of one type, one of another type, all residing in the same animal. You treat one of the lymphomas. Both lymphomas disappear, but the colon cancer stays. Right. So, so it's it's, it's very, very specific. It's very, very targeted. And that that's important because you're not going to have these jacked up immune cells attacking other parts of the body. But what it also means, and like you said, uh, is that you can kill two tumors or multiple tumors that have come from the same source. And this is a big problem with cancer is you have a tumor and then the term is metastasizing, uh, where it breaks off and spreads to other parts of your body. And so even when you do surgery, if you don't get all of the tumor or it's already metastasized and you don't know about it it's just going to pop up somewhere else so you're constantly yeah yeah, you're constantly having to either treat the whole body with chemotherapy or whatever or be going in multiple surgeries picking these things out as they pop up whereas the doctor behind this theory was saying he envisions a world in which you get a tumor you inject it with this uh, immune boosting shot before you remove it from with surgery and that way, if you don't get it all, or it's already metastasized, you You've already whacked it. Yeah, your yeah, these the immune chemistry. cells will spread through your body and get them. He also thinks that it could be in certain cancers where you have a genetic source of the cancer, like a genetic mutation. So even if you remove a tumor, that genetic mutation will mean that as you live, you will develop more tumors. This is where the vaccine idea comes in, because if you develop a tumor, you hit it with this. You take that tumor out, even if your body develops another one from the same mutation. Some of the breast cancers are like that. Then yeah, it'll just still got this thing. Yeah, it'll just it'll it'll catch it before it even before it even goes. Because they did this, they did a, a test in mice. So there's a certain genetic line of mice that has been altered to be highly susceptible to tumors. So they develop tumors really fast. Yeah, and they're used as a model for cancer. Um, and they did this. So they gave, like, as soon as they developed a tumor and it was in the mammary, so it was like a breast cancer model. Um, and if you don't know, mice have multiple teats. 
like 10 of them. I think I read. Yeah, Yeah. 10 of them. So you expect cancer popping up in all of these. Um, But if they treat that first one, it actually prevented the other ones from even forming. So they a lot of times they never even saw other ones or same thing. You could treat it, remove it, and it would stop metastasizing and growth. So, I mean, that's that's pretty crazy. That's pretty yeah, cool. That, well, for me, it was the numbers because normally when you read about these studies, it's done in, or we've done it in two mice. And, yeah. You know, we've seen a response. So, I, yeah, I saw the, the piece about the breast cancer one and then the, the, the lymphoma mice, they did it in 90 mice. I yeah. Think, you know, 90 is still not a huge number, but they had 87 cured yeah. immediately. And then the three that weren't, yeah, they then give a second dose and those three regressed tumors regress as well well i so, think it, i think it was even if i mean and i could be wrong but i believe it was three of the 87 that were cured they were cured but they just like the tumor came back yeah right and they just like gave them another whack and right okay it was it was gone again so yeah they're not you know they're not massive numbers but they're not down in the low digits that normally with a lot of these things yeah you hear especially with the media you hear that banded around so yeah, interesting. Obviously, there's some limitations in terms of depending on where the cancer is having to reach it. So, you know, do you have to, Yeah. in some cases, do you use surgery to use the direct injection or can you, you know, ultrasound-guided, you know, needle placement or whatever? So I guess that's going to be a limitation, but... Yeah, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I, I didn't think of that. I was like, your body's only so thick. Yeah, we can get a needle you big can enough. Get a need- <laughs> you can get a needle big enough. It's just, I bet you say that to all the girls, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> It's not going to be comfortable, but, but <laughs> there's a needle now, big enough. Now you're just making these jokes too easy, Flash. Um, <laughs> but yeah, some really, and I, I feel sometimes we we seem to follow. There seems to be trends, and now I think the last couple of episodes we have, you know, nailed this. Not, I'm not sure you understand. Nailed is probably the wrong term because I don't think we've nailed it. I don't think we'd ever call ourselves immunologists and certainly not <laughs> oncologists. Um, but it, you know, it does seem to be where there's you know a growing field of research, yeah, uh, with you know some positive news coming all of a sudden. So, yeah, yeah, one to watch for for the future for sure. Yeah, well, and maybe we need to um, take a look at the other side because I have been seeing um, some rumblings on Twitter from some some skeptics, some health skeptics. Um, who generally, you know, try and go through media around um, health discoveries and tone down some of the uh, enthusiasm that the media likes to push on some of these stories. You know, the old, uh, the cure is just around the corner, 10 years away. That was 10 years ago. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. Um, And there is some issue with how much certain companies, physicians, whatever, are hyping this precision medicine idea. I mean, I don't, I'm not, not to conflate that with this story specifically. I'm just saying there is another side to this immunotherapy stuff, and maybe that's, maybe that'll be coming up in episode 26. Hint, hint. I don't wow. know. Who knows? Well, and I remember when I, I was doing biology at college in you know, a long, long time ago. They, you know, a lot of the talk then was about the magic bullet about you know monoclonal antibodies being used for, you know chemotherapeutic agents and things mm-hmm. which you know yes are, are, are there but i you know i think we were a long way away from where we are are now it, we've moved towards the better yeah um, but that was you know that was almost like 20 years ago so you know these things that's the thing these things aren't quick are they but no they take forever especially once you're trying to move from 
mice models into human practice, right? And I wonder too, like, so with this story specifically, they talked about how they transplanted the tumors in. And to me, that seemed, that seemed weird. I wasn't sure why they were doing that. And does that somehow, you know, influence the result maybe for the better? Like maybe that's another way of showing how it's specific because these tumors came from another source. So, well, presumably they must have had control animals. Otherwise, you would think if they've transplanted tumors in, whatever they, you know, whatever they transplanted to, the, the host is then going to mount an immune response against the non, yeah. non-host type tissue anyway. Well, so this they, is what I'm wondering. There must, and, some, there must have been a control of, and these mice we didn't treat yet, they were transplanted. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if they're deriving the tumors just outside the body, but with the, with the same mouse tissue. Yeah, I don't know. But it just seemed that seemed like everything seemed really nice about this story. But there was a couple of things like that where I was like, "Why would you do that?" Like I don't because you because yeah, you so you have these mice that are bred to get tumors, which they used in one. But I guess it like that's a specific type of tumor. It's the first well, guess, one, and if you want to test other cancers, well, I guess there's that, and I guess also if you if you use those mice, you don't potentially know how many cancers have they got. Yeah, you know. Whereas if you if you take a normal mice and you know transplant in two tumors, okay, there's a chance that, that mouse has naturally got cancer, but chances are you've transplanted in two tumors. That mice has two tumors. Yeah, exactly. You could be more specific, I guess. Is, is but yeah, the... but I hadn't I hadn't read that that's how they did it. So yeah, I'd, I'd go in after the show and have a look at that and just yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, I've done it that way. Yeah, well, check the for the audience. You can check the show notes on the website and dig into it yourself as well because lord knows we can't do everything for you we're just raising no, I, the questions yeah well i think we've had a pretty good stab at you know taking the question and throwing a few answers out there Def- definitely an interesting story so thank you for sending it in yeah definitely um yeah right on um moving you on you want to stick on this jolly topic yeah love to um okay well so sticking with the cancer theme um so there was a, an article, and I, I think I may have already tweeted this out. If I haven't, then it will come out with the show notes. Um, that certain food types can alter the spread of cancer. Now, I think there's been, for a long time, you know, it's been known that certain types of food, so, you know, or certain ways of cooking food may be predisposed to other health assets, you know, frying things with heart disease, whatever, and right. maybe burning things on a barbecue and the charcoal may be potentially causing um, cancer, but there was a, a paper published recently in um, the Nature Journal, um, highlighting some research that actually came out of Cambridge, so not a million miles away from me, out of the Cancer Research UK uh, laboratories here. So it's some animal research um, looking at breast cancers, and what they've shown in certain breast cancers um, is that they struggle to the cancers struggle to progress without a certain type of amino acid. Um, the amino acid itself is uh, asparagine, which, as its name might give away, is found predominantly in asparagus. Um, and yeah, it it's was, the one that it's it's the specific amino acid that makes your pee stink. Yeah, um, don't quote me on that. Then, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I'm not sure if it is that amino acid, but yeah, you know, obviously asparagus is also known for that as well. Uh, say anything with confidence, slash people will believe it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's found in asparagus. You also find it in poultry and seafood as well. Um, you find it in some other food types as well, but those are the main ones. Um, and what they found is in in the mice that they had with this aggressive form of breast cancer, they usually untreated died within two weeks. 
um, usually because the cancer itself spread beyond just the breast cancer site. What they found is if they gave these mice diets that were low in asparagine or gave them drugs that blocked asparagine mm. or mopped up asparagine, the tumour struggled to spread. Um, so there was that, and that was done in Cambridge. There's also been some other work alongside that, as I was into that, uh, University of Glasgow, um, showing that some other uh, amino acids, so serine and glycine, if you cut those in the diet, then that slowed the progression of lymphoma and some intestinal cancers as well. Um, so there seems to be some sort of link. And the, the thought behind it is that, especially with asparagine, it's already been shown that asparagine has a role, and we're not exactly sure what that role is yet, in the metastases process. So the process we talked about earlier, if you have a primary cancer, say in the breast, and then a part of that will splinter out, go off in the bloodstream and implant itself somewhere else in another organ uh, and then cause another cancer. Um, so there's a drug on the market already that's licensed, um, asparaginase, which is an enzyme which um, is currently used to treat um, a couple of types of leukemia uh, and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And what that does is it actually breaks down any circulating asparagine before the tumour can get it and make use of it for the metastases. Um, uh, so that so that drug's already on the market. So it soaks um, up the, it soaks it out yeah. so that it's not available for tumor use. Yeah, exactly. So it sort of out competes the the tumor really. So although it's not curing the primary cancer, it's stopping the spread of the cancer, and yeah. then you can come in with one of the new chemotherapeutic agents or surgery or whatever and, and do it. And it, and it tends to be the metastases that is the big problem because you, as we said before, you don't know where it's spread to. Yeah. So if you've got some way of blocking that spread, or at least mopping up, up as much as you can, yeah. then you can go a long way. The fight. Yeah. Right. But what they what they are at pains to say is don't stop eating asparagus. I was just gonna just, say moral of the story. Asparagus yeah. kills. <laughs> well, I'm guessing there'll probably be some media outlets saying that. Yeah. yeah if yeah. it doesn't kill you, it'll make you piecemeal. Yeah. Um and then we'll get big asparagus on our back. Yeah, suing us for yeah. defamation. Asparagus farmers petitioning outside our houses, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you know they naturally got spears. The fact they're made of asparagus is a different matter. But uh, um, yeah, there you go. There's one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so actually, you know, I mentioned the three type of foods there, but actually, uh, asparagus is in lots of different foods. So you know, as with all diet, everything in moderation, and there's still a lot of work to be done to show that you know there's. There's not other causes or factors beyond that. So, you know, I'm going to put that disclaimer in so that we're not getting yeah. lynched, sued, and having to check under yeah. cars for asparagus spears and things. <laughs> By big asparagus. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, it does kind of freak me out, though. Like, I, I hate hearing any of these studies that's like, your food might be linking to cancer in this way. And, this, and it's just like, it just makes me just, you know, want to give up. It's like, well, I can't do anything. There's nothing I can do. So I'm just well, banking on yeah, these that's... new cancer therapies to get super good so that by the time it happens to me, I can at least be in a study group, you know, for the for the new cancer drug. Well, and that's, you know, if you look at, like, there are certain, you know, if you look at some of the, obviously the Western culture has higher disease of, higher incidence of heart disease and certain types of cancers compared to the Eastern world. Part of that being down to diet and climatic conditions and yeah. whatever. So... It's always been there, yeah. Um, and as you said, you know, you can't you can't live your life in a box. You've got to get out there and do things. But 
and I'm you know I'm sure there's probably natural nutrients, vitamins and minerals and other amino acids in asparagus and evil seafood. Uh, after my brush with death this weekend, <laughs> not that I'm over egging that at all, uh, and and poultry that is this probably good for you and probably blocks cancer and other diseases in other ways. So yeah. then you have this yin and yang of, well, I'm more at risk of cancer because yeah. then I wouldn't eat this or am I more at risk of this disease in which case I probably should eat it. But, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like, I guess it's like you said, everything in moderation. Um, yeah. this, this makes me think too of just, um, and I don't have all the details on it because I wasn't, I wasn't prepared to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Um, that ever stopped you. It really hasn't. It really yeah. hasn't. Um, there's the they found a link between estrogen and it actually stopped these certain type of cells or cancer cells from progressing into cancer and um, right. but helped them turn into neural cells neuron neur, like so some sort of nervous system tissue so you know and it's like, and I, but, but you hear the, you hear, I've heard the opposite, right? That estrogen can be a cause of some kind of cancers, higher levels of estrogen, you know? So just my point here being that it's like you said, like it's one thing could do one in one situation could be bad in another situation could be good. You could be taking one thing that's doing something bad, but at the same time having something that's counteracting that that's part of you. Like there's so many pathways that we just don't know, but I don't know. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I think the main thing that we can say with cancer is don't smoke. That's a surefire one. There's not a, yeah, there's that's... not a study out there that's like, well, actually. Well, there probably are some studies out there. Maybe they're sponsored ones. by certain tobacco companies. But yeah, you probably, I would say you're probably safe to say you can cut smoking out without any ill effects, you know, other than having withdrawal symptoms and yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe some depression from the lack of nicotine and things. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you probably yeah, you're probably safe to say that on Flash. So yeah, podcast fact right there: quit smoking to yeah, lower your smoking. risk of cancer. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure we can claim the uniqueness on that one. I think others may have come before us on that one. But... Hey, I'm just doing my part. Public service announcement. Well, that's true. Yeah. So the eight listeners that we have now are aware of that fact. So. If, Potentially, we've saved eight lives. If you weren't already, <laughs> some guy, you just picture some guy right now taking a, are you shitting me? Nobody told me. <laughs> Nobody told me. He's like, puts it out. Thanks. We're going to get an email that's just like, shit, thank you, guys. <laughs> do, do you think that's the real listenership base that we're going to, the sort of person that doesn't know that smoking <laughs> increases your risk of cancer? Because we, if so, we, we're, we're going far too highbrow with some of our topics. We need to be setting the bar a lot lower, my friend. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, uh, well. All right. Well, that's this. I guess this wraps up the cancer portion of, of the show. <laughs> You're welcome, people. Yeah. <laughs> that's cancer done. Not literally, we haven't cured it. Although, you know, yeah. Flash and I are willing to take a degree of royalties for any future mm-hmm. cure for cancer. That's right. Uh, no, okay. So we'll move on. The final final story of the show. Um, well, sorry, let me get my notes. Well, I, I know we're trying to milk this show out based on the uh, lack of stories we've got, but, you know, oh, let me find my notes. Oh, hold on the rope. Oh, no, I've dropped them. Intermission break. Ice creams are available from the foyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
no, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Okay. I've been ready to talk about this my whole life, basically, because <laughs> I grew up with siblings. I know you didn't have the pleasure of growing up with siblings. Well, my parents told me they couldn't improve on perfection, so they were one and done. Oh, God. They would say that, wouldn't they? Well, that's what they said to my face. So I did over them at a dinner party saying, we have one, and that was a fucking laugh. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I presume that was in a good way. I, yeah. I don't know. Exactly. No, so this this story I'm bringing to us to us now is about sibling bullying. So thankfully, okay. I got along with my siblings fairly well. Um, that means that means you were the one beating the crap out of them, isn't it? No, 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 no. Mm. They, uh, I'm the middle child. I was just surrounded by all the chaos, trying to calmly make my way through, uh, unfazed. You know, I wanted to get noticed because uh, you know classic middle child syndrome but uh no my my brother and sister were the ones that they they were always at each other i kind of stayed out of it you know but you're like you're like the un in between were you exactly 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 um but it turns out according to said research uh sibling bullying during childhood so kids that are bullied by their siblings during childhood are three times more likely to develop a psychotic disorder in young adulthood. So psychotic disorders being uh, the big one, schizophrenia. So psychotic disorders are disorders where you lose touch of reality, get confused, hallucinate, delusional. Bipolar is another one. Your mood changes, your personality changes. It's, it's so, so just, just go through. So if, if there was sibling bullying, you're more predisposed to this or the other round? Uh, The first, the first. So children that are bullied by their siblings and actually, yeah, they showed they they did find an increase as well. If so, it didn't really matter if you were the victim or the perpetrator. If you were just involved in bullying, you were three times more likely to develop one of these psychotic disorders. Um, You're four times more likely to develop this disorder if you're bullied by your siblings and your classmates at school. Uh, okay, I was going to ask if there was a was there another group? Of yeah, there's a compound the effect family. if you're getting okay. it if you're getting it all the time. There's a compound effect. Um, well, that, that's fairly understandable. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I can imagine the stress of it all. And like I said, yeah. my siblings were great, and they fought with each other. But you know, both are fine. As of, as of the recording of this show. I know, uh, I I know of no uh, that, psychotic. That, that's disorders. a matter. That's a matter of conjecture and opinion. I would say that, that's having met both your siblings <laughs> but, you know, and having met your good self. Yeah, but I, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to side with one of the vampirisms over another. Yeah. So you don't. You don't want to. You don't want to try and divide us either, because we'll come at you. Well, exactly. I don't. I don't want to be bullied and then go on to get some psychosis or whatever. That's right. Uh, so the way they did this uh, is they did. They took three thousand six hundred children. They completed bullied the shit out of them. Yes, yeah, just bullied them. Just <laughs> love to see the ethics review for this one. Yeah, it wasn't even that they like the researchers couldn't bully them. They got them together with their siblings, and you know gave the siblings rewards for bullying their. their <laughs> <laughs> no way. No, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that would be that would be something else. <laughs> um, no, so they they found the well they got they enrolled. 3,600 children in this longitudinal, you know, long, long-term study. Um, they fill up, they fill out a questionnaire about sibling bullying when they're at, at about the age of 12. 
And then they do a follow-up psychological exam at the age of 18 and find out how many of them developed some kind of a psychotic disorder. And then you use stats, etc., to come up with your likelihood, your odds, all that stuff. So it was only like 55 of the 3,600 uh, children de- actually developed um, a, a, a psychotic disorder. So I don't know. It's one of these things that I wonder. It's like you, you hear these numbers like three times more likely. You're three times more likely to develop a psychotic disorder. Then you look at the numbers and it doesn't. It's like 3,600, 55 of those. So, you know, always a, a note of caution there. Um, but the specific numbers on the bullying, I kind of found interesting, too. And I'll look those up right here. So of the adolescents. 664 were victims of sibling bullying. 486 children were pure bullies to their siblings, meaning they weren't bullied themselves. They were the pure, the purest of the pure bullies. And 771 children were bully victims. So this means that they were both victimized and bullied. So those were the, okay. those were the total <laughs> numbers out of the 3,000 600 this is the level of bullying that we're dealing with so it's it's a lot i mean that's yeah. almost half i'm just kind of doing math that i'm not very good at but we'll say it's about <laughs> half um kind of running out of fingers that part won't you yeah yeah exactly um so it's kind of yeah and it, and if you think about it like there's a lot of bullying and it's one of these things that i think like sibling bullying and the, and the study the study uh researchers said this too it's like you think about bullying at school and there's a big push right now for bullying at school to be recognized and, you know, interventions towards that. But you kind of forget about your siblings in the family setting because it's more, eh, they're siblings, siblings fight, you know, whatever. It's less, but they're saying like, hey, there actually could be long-term, you know, effects to this. And the fact that kids are with your when you're with siblings you're confined to the house like you have to hang out with those people so there's no escape at least school you know you can kind of escape or find new friends or you try and do things but your siblings you're really stuck um so it's kind of interesting to to think of that um and then it was yeah so the kids that were like most likely to have uh, developed uh, mental um issues were the victims so the victims were more likely um so even the perpetrators had some effect as well but the victims are most likely to develop psychotic disorders so and even if you're a perpetrator and a victim you've kind of fallen into the victim category um and then like i said those were that are bullied both at school and at home thought that jumps into my head is also they didn't look at you know what i guess what you would call child abuse but if a if a parent is also bullying I wonder if it's the same effect. I imagine it would be. Yeah, I would have thought so. And I was wondering if, <clears throat> obviously, you mentioned bipolar and schizophrenia and stuff. And I, you know, I know people instantly jump to like the multi personality disorder and yeah. things like that. But in, in effect, it's like an altered perception of reality. And I wonder if is part of that the body trying to protect itself by creating like a disassociation, a disassociation to it. So within, you know, you're bullied in this this part of the world yeah. within your mind, but not in that part. I don't know. Yeah. The, was it, was the study all done 
the 3,600 whatever family, was it all in one part of the world or was it a yes. global study? I, no, no, I, I believe it was all in one part of the world because they were recruited for this thing called the Avon Longitudinal Study of Parents and Children. So these longitudinal studies, as they call them, they generally, they get um, a group of children and the parents, the, the parents agree to it at birth or at a very young age. And they do a number of different, you know, tests like this, whether it's questionnaires, things like this. And then they follow this set of children from, you know, this, this county or city or whatever, um, for however many years. Some of the longest, I think, was some of the, the, the longest longitudinal studies have been done in New Zealand. And it's like they followed kids from birth to 25, 30 years of age. You know? Yeah, there's a couple here. I know they, they've done some in twins here that have got yeah. been going for like 20 years. and so, Yeah, some in kids that have been doing 20 years. Yeah, yeah but they're they never... They so much data. Yeah, exactly. And they're never, they're never looking at just one thing. Like this study, they just had the bully questionnaire or whatever, you know, so they, they add it to this study. But I'm sure these kids are going to be used... The data from these kids are going to be used to publish a number of papers about a number of different things. Probably also some cancer stuff in there as well. They do blood testing at your regular doctor visits and stuff. It's, so they're kind of interesting. Uh, these longitudinal studies are interesting in that way. But yeah, so I'm assuming that if they were recruited all to this one longitudinal study, they're going to be from the same area, at least, county right, or whatever. Yeah. And it was the University of Warwick, which I believe is in northern England. Uh, Warwick. Warwick, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sort of middle... Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Um, one thing that that I really liked because you know in the last episode we talked about methodology behind studies and psychology studies in in particular and how we found it a bit dubious, but we're probably wrong because we're not scientists. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I did like that the um, the authors put in like the researchers put this made sure that this quote was in the in the press release um, was that although we controlled for many pre-existing mental health and social factors it could not be excluded that the social relationship problems may be early signs of developing serious mental health problems rather than their cause so right. you acknowledge that it's like it's not you know what came first so it could Chicken be in the egg touch exactly yeah, yeah. so it could be that the bullying has led to the disorders or the fact that you're having trouble with your siblings, whether you're being bullied or a bully, is somehow a sign of you know you're that you're there's something already there that that might lead to which is kind of weird to think about it when you say it out loud like that. Like I'm just saying it out loud now for the first time, and I'm like, if you're being bullied, it's probably because you're a crazy person anyway. And you're not well, fitting I, in good. <laughs> I, I was, I was going to put you down, but I don't want to be seen as bullying you, Flash. And then, you know, five years' time, you're having some psychotic disorder and <laughs> some break me down. getting sued and the blame for it. Yeah, I, I don't want to get the blame for that. I couldn't take that responsibility. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to sheathe my wit on that one. <laughs> Doesn't happen very often, make the most of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just, I thought that was kind of, I, I mean, I like that, that, that that's in there because, like, like I said about the methodology, sometimes of these things, you're always a little curious as to that but so they did try to control for other factors that might be causing disease uh or mental uh disorder later in life but i guess you'll you never get the perfect answer um but bullying man there you go and i mean i used to always say that like 
there's a little bit of healthy bullying that goes on to socialize uh, kids, you know? Yeah, I think they're, yeah, I think you're right. I think there is, I think, um, and I, you know, bullying is wrong. And I, I know Touchwood, fortunately, as far as I'm aware, I, you know, my daughter's not had it, but I know other people's kids that have, and it's, it's just so tough to deal with. And I think there is an element of, well, you know, it'll toughen you up for later life. But if it's just so unrelated, unrelenting, yeah, it can have such a negative impact on people. And that that would be the interesting thing to 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 note here, like to go deeper and like find this study and and read the 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 whole methods and the questionnaire and stuff. Because I wonder what they label bullying. You know, that's the other thing. Like what, like, and again, not just. You know, for the people that are all oh, bullying is wrong. It's all wrong. Yeah, it all sucks. But like, is it, are we talking, you know, a mild taunting here and there? Or are we talking, uh, you know, physical, like there's ranges, yeah. right? Like there's not just one behavior that can be called bullying. And I think they did in this somewhere in, in what I read, they talked about how they had like, does it happen one to one to three times a week or something was sort of the. But again, what's the specific behavior? Is it purely words? Is it a mix of physical and words? Is it, you know, what is it? And and could you find a, you know, a, a severity? So with an increased severity, we'll say, of the bullying, there's an increased risk. Who knows? Right, yeah. Well, I, I hope the, the listeners aren't feeling bullied out there as we, we ram these facts at them. But, um, <laughs> What? What? Oh, well, the listeners can't handle it? Oh, well, you can't handle it? Oh. Well, we've already accused them of, you know, potentially being so dumb that they don't know the smoking causes cancer. So <laughs> thanks for sticking with us, listeners. Hopefully you're still tuned in to the end of episode 25 at this stage, and hopefully you'll tune into episode 26. Yeah, and if you're, uh, if, you're, uh, if you're about 12 years old and you're listening to this, good for you. Good for yeah. you. Um, but yeah, you might be at risk if you're above 18 and you haven't developed, you know, if you're like 23 and you haven't developed schizophrenia, I'm going to bully you because I think you're, you're fine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Spoken by the uh, one doctor on the show. So, uh... <laughs> Maybe there's a threshold where it's like you weren't bullied enough. Well, now there is an interesting study. Because like I said, this is what I kind of like said about the one I said, oh, I used to always say there's a healthy amount of bullying. Because you see, like, there's some, there must be some social role to like, you know, children finding their, their norms and stuff and, and bonding as a group, like trying to fit in, right? And of course, bullying, of course, is wrong. You don't have to say it. But there's some kind of a socializing socializing aspect to it. Like, if you're so weird that nobody wants to hang out with you or, you know, or you're the kid. Like I always think of the stinky kid. You know, if you, if you remember back to elementary school, there was always the stinky kid. And it's like, if you get teased a little bit about being stinky, you're going to wash, you're going to bathe. And some kids need that push to, you know, reinforce their their hygiene habits. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess there are, yeah, I guess. There's a socialization point. Now, I'm not. That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. Whether you call it bullying or not, there's, there's almost a socialization element of you find your place in the world and. Yeah. But then you look at, you know, you look at, let's look at politicians. Here's a, here's an example. And so you look at politicians, one party in government and the other in opposition and whatever the government say, the opposition berate them for, whether they're, you know, whether they're right or wrong and, and vice versa. 
Now that actually is just bullying, in, you know, in the playground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm right. You know, my dad's definitely bigger than your dad. No, he's not. My dad could have your dad. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just doing it on a different scale, aren't you? So yeah, I think healthy bullying, I think, is the wrong term, but socialization, yeah, I think is is healthy. But I think yeah, there probably there has to be a cut off point where yeah, when does it know, become the one thing and the other? And I bring this yeah. up kind of you know in jest because. Obviously, there's a line. I think obviously you can tell when it's not helpful. You well, know when the old the old adage of sticks and stones will break my bones that that isn't helpful. I would say yeah, yeah, yeah. Bone, bones being broken by sticks and stones not helpful. Yeah, Name, names will never hurt me. Well, names after a while will hurt. Yeah, you know, if you throw enough of them, and but, might make you schizophrenic. Well, well, there you go. So they should add on to that adage: sticks and stones will break my bones. Names will never hurt me. And who said that? <laughs> That's Sorry, right. I feel I feel as if I've just belittled the argument that we just made. But yeah. yeah. And and the other thing too is like it to go to, to, to try and justify some amount of bullying because one kid might have been the stinky kid and stopped being stinky because somebody, you know, called him stinky kid. We're, we're, it sounds a little bit close to your were you the stinky kid, Flash? I was not the stinky kid, no. No. Okay. I experienced some bullying growing up. I think most people did. Well, obvious with a face like yours. That goes without saying. <laughs> yeah, ouch. There we go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get into it. I like it. I, I think it's healthy. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, I don't know. I don't I just don't want to come across too callous there because obviously bullying is a big issue. And as well, this I, shows, I even in the household, you know, like I said, you you didn't grow up with siblings, but a lot of times, you know, me and my siblings or hanging out with my cousins who you came from families where there's multiple siblings and you see how they treat each other. It's like, but it was always kind of washed over. It's, ah, it's just, it's just siblings. Like how many brothers do you know that just fight and fight and fight you know, all growing up? Like I knew, I thankfully yeah. me and my brother got along great, um, but we knew a number of sibling pairs that it was just like, and I was just like, how could you guys like, how could you live in the same house? It looks like you're going to kill, kill each other. You know? So now I haven't followed up with them. Maybe one of them has turned into a schizophrenic since then. I don't know, but or maybe one of them's dead. Maybe he's killed the other one. Yeah. yeah. Well, I felt like I got bullied by a rogue prawn at the weekend. So, you know, <laughs> I think I can relate a little bit and, you know, it has affected my psyche afterwards because now I'm terrified of eating certain foods. So yeah, yeah, prawn one, Brad Neal for the time being, but I plan to fight back. Yeah, well, you should. You got to stick up to a bully. You got to stand up to a bully. Yeah, I plan to. Don't let the prawns win. But no, well, you know what? If they do, more for me. So, well, that, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I I certainly won't be uh, diluting their numbers by eating as many of them as possible, which is normally my reaction to uh, animals and things that have hurt me in the past. I'm a big lover of eating bacon because I'm normally attacked by pigs. <laughs> Um, but I can't return the favour to prawns now because they seem to have the upper hand on me and my uh, immune system. Well, we'll have to get immune therapies on there and see what we can do. See what this show well, can promote to maybe, help Maybe you I out. could be a case study for immunotherapies for potential shellfish allergies. Who knows? Dude, that'd be sweet. Well, I've, I never known it. The... I, I never, I've never known a guinea pig before. Well, I was going to say I could be the poster boy, but it would it would have to be a billboard the size that my head <laughs> swelled up to yeah. to get me on. So the way your face looked, yeah, 
Well, and I, you know, I, I didn't think my nose could get any bigger. You know, I was probably at school having a big nose, but I found out the weekend it definitely can get yeah. bigger. So, and not in the Pinocchio sense. So, yeah. well, it will be in the Pinocchio sense when someone's like, "Brad, did you eat prawns?" No, no, no. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that tells us something. So, should I summarise where I've been? Well, where, where I've been, where we've been on this? Uh... Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's okay. wrap her up. Uh, well, firstly, go Team Canada. Go Team GB. I think, you know. I can get on board I, I with half I, that statement. Well, no, I, you know, I, as part of the Commonwealth Flash, I, I think you should be on board with that because obviously I'll be supporting Team Canada in certain events. And I think maybe if there's an event, maybe where Canada aren't potentially in a winning position and somebody from Team GB is, maybe you, maybe you want to get on board with that. I find that very hard to do. Just be, and also, there's a bunch of Australians kicking around these uh, winter games that I'm not even sure why they're there, but they tend to have a pretty good team too. And I just I can't bring myself to do it. The more we're connected in this bond, the more I I need to be the bully and and win. Well, you heard it first. Flash is a bully. Okay. Well, that that wasn't where I wanted that summary to go, but okay, that's where, that's where it's landed. A bit awkward. Okay, moving on. Um, cancer. The T cells are coming to get you. That's so, right. You heard it here first, cancer. Yeah, you're going to get your ass kicked. It's it's on the um, list now. Yeah, and we're going to and we're, cancer. We're going to we're going to stop your spread by telling people to stop smoking. That's right. So yeah, cancer. But basically, we you and I flash have put cancer on the back foot today. That's right. You know, we we've saber rattled. We've warned it that the sea cells are coming. You're, and we we've cut. We've taken the legs out from stopping people from smoking. You're, so. you're welcome, world. Uh, Bill Gates. We're waiting for our Gates Foundation money to. You know, keep this message going to enhance our signal, broadcast us to more places. Just imagine, imagine what we could do with the Gates Foundation money behind us, Flash. Yeah, I know. Save yeah. the world from well, that cancer. And, that and go to well, that and you know, have some nice cars and yeah. new laptops and a couple cigars on the beach somewhere. Yeah, well, not cigars, Flash. That would <laughs> oh, kind right, of right, right, the object. Right, right. I thought I didn't realize no, the mics were still. No, and then I'd have to bully you for having cancer. <laughs> Well, you caused it yourself, you idiot. <laughs> and you're the stinky kid because you smell of cigar smoke. Um, and, you know, and uh, could eating that or not eating that give you cancer? So, you know, be careful what you're eating. From here on in, I'd say I'm just going to eat steak. Yeah. You know, I've, well, I was going to say I've never heard anyone dying of steak allergy, but actually there is that red meat allergy. Yeah, there, there is. There definitely is. Jeez. Okay. Okay, well, I'll, I'll be living off of tofu and water from here on in. So um, you've got that to look forward to next time you're in close proximity to me, Flash. Yeah, so, um, cranky, hungry yeah. guy. Yeah, and uh, and last, but honestly, bullying is bad, but you know maybe it helps socialise you a little bit when you're younger. Uh, <laughs> but on the whole, bullying is bad. That's right. That should be the take-home message. That's right. And we have no evidence to support our other theory. So No, exactly, we don't. So let's, let's go with the evidence that's out there, as true scientists should. Yeah. Uh, until we disprove or reprove what has already has or has not been proved. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because I'm confused by that statement, but I think we're just going to leave that there. Let's let that meatball hang out there and see how it works. Yeah, let's do that. Um, Flash, as always, it's been a pleasure. Um, for those of you that want to reach out, as we've said, you know, one of today's stories came from somebody uh, ping us a message on Instagram. So, Instagram, we're at 2 Brad for you. If you can remember that, it's very easy to remember where we are on Twitter because 
We are exactly the same handle on Twitter. Yes, right. Um, if you want to hit me directly, Britt Browder, on Twitter, then it's uh, at Bradley W. Hayes on Twitter. Flash, if people want to get in touch with you, bully you, maybe cyber bully you, <laughs> send you story ideas, what should they do? If people want to cyber bully me, bring it on. That's what I want to say. Uh, at B Van Paradigm. I'm, I'm, and I also want to encourage people to uh, cyber bully the big red strawberry over sitting across from me. <laughs> well, I was going to say, there's definitely, as you started this this whole episode off with the smack talk about the Olympics, uh, you know, heaven help you if and when Team GB win any sort of medal. Because <laughs> uh, you will be getting cyber smacked with that, my friend, let me tell you. Well, in until, a public forum for all to see. Until you make it into the top 16, that's that's. That's the only list I have. The CBC on their website, Keeping Track of the Olympics, they only list the top 16. The rest don't matter. So until you make wow. it up there, you can win, you know, bronze here or there, and I'll let you have it. Oh, that's decent of you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Flash, it's been a good one. Uh, listeners, thank you. Uh, yeah, as Flash said, episode 25. I, yeah, wow. Who would have thought it? I kind of had an inkling, but yeah, I wasn't sure if, if it would ever come I, to I, this. I had hopes. I'll be honest, I had hopes yeah. uh, and aspirations, but I, I didn't think it would happen. So I'm truly humbled and honoured. Uh, Flash, thank you. Listeners, thank you. And uh, we'll probably catch you sometime soon. Yeah, catch you all next time. Till next time, take care. Later. probably would want to touch on the Olympics straight off the bat just uh, it's, it's you know Canada is now my adopted nation is does Great Britain even have anybody competing in the winter hey go fuck yourself well yes we do because uh, you'll notice that we won bronze at the last Olympics one bronze one well, no, bronze so we won a bronze was the first uh, I think it was the first it's definitely the first medal in that sport. I think it was the first winter Olympic gold we've won in years. Uh, and then we won a gold in the skeleton or whatever it is. But actually, mm. the, girl, the girl that won bronze, um, I went to school with. There you go. Uh, yeah, I was just going to have a look. I have the medal rankings up here from the CBC, but uh, okay. it's only the top 16. I only have the top 16. Well, that's okay. If you're not in the top 16, you might as well fuck off, wouldn't you? I'm not seeing Great Britain. No, you won't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I include us in that. <laughs> the goddamn Norwegians. <laughs>